Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Six seconds to go. Comes in the Tucker. Ewing sets a screen. The shot is off. Loose ball. Ewing goes up. The basket comes. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Stricken Roll. I'm your host, Shwini Poo, and this is episode 20. I am joined by a very special guest. It is his first time on this pod, but not his first time joining me on a podcast. His name is Tim. That is at Tim underscore NBA. You also might know him as Cranjus McBasketball. He is the founder of all things B-Ball Index. Cranjus, Tim, how you doing? I'm doing well, man. I uh, I didn't realize this is a new pod, but always happy to join you. Hopefully, you know, for the the listeners who've heard me before, hopefully this isn't disappointing. And for the new listeners, you know, uh, give give me a shot. I know I'm not a Knicks fan. I'm a Mets fan. Does that help a little bit? Uh, I I don't. It'll it'll help with half the audience, right? Mm. That's, yeah, yeah that's fair. <laughs> I would like to think it's half and half. I don't know what it actually would be in reality. Uh, I mean, based on our Discord, there's obviously always going to be more Yankees fans, uh, but the Discord is pretty split because I think, like, you know, local New Yorkers, it's more split, but the Yankees are the Yankees. So, um, yeah. you know, I mean, you're familiar with this. They're Glory Hunter fans. You're a Lakers fan. You know all about this. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we, we've got some of those. We've got plenty of those, I should say. Before we get started, though, I have to make it out with the Circlet as a Patreon. You can subscribe to it. There are a number of tiers. There's a $6 tier that gets you access to Pod Circlet every Friday that I do with Prez. You also get access to Drew, a.k.a. Doug's mailbag that he does every other week. You also get access to the Strickland Discord where the conversation never stops. There's a $9 tier that gets you access to wonderful weekly articles by Jack Hunley and Matthew Miranda, two of the best in the business. You will also get access to Strick and Roll, my solo pod, where I yell, rant, and rave about the Knicks even more. There's further tiers. There's a $15 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, and $100 tier. Those come with a variety of additional benefits like merchandise, merchandise discounts, listening in on pod recordings as we did this past week, even potentially co-hosting a podcast alongside yours truly one day, whether you choose to subscribe or not, none of this would be possible without you. Uh, so without further ado, let's talk a little bit about the Knicks. Uh, yeah, I don't think the Clippers, uh, even locally, have the following the Lakers do, though. So uh, that's a little bit different. But uh, look, let's just jump into it. Um, I want to have you on because I haven't had you on in a while. And the Lake, it's amazing. The Lakers have one, they have like they have like a handful of things that can they can trade, and one of them is this gigantic Russell Westbrook fucking expiring contract and two picks in twenty twenty seven and twenty twenty nine. We'll talk about like what maybe those picks could yield, but just with the Russ thing, I I know that when the trade was made, I don't think you were ha- very pleased about getting Russ. Um, but I mean, th- this has obviously gone much poorer than even you anticipated. I assume. 
Yeah, we did a podcast maybe a week before the trade actually happened where we were like, huh, we heard this might be an option. This would be awful. We definitely <laughs> don't want this. Here are all the reasons it makes no sense. He's a terrible fit, all these different things. He's, you know, fake hustle, all that stuff. And then it happened and it was way worse than we even we imagined because he like just fell off physically. He went really long stretches of the season where he like couldn't even finish at the rim. They, he was yeah. so bad finishing at the rim. They like got his hand checked out because it was just they couldn't explain it. It was it was horrendous. The kind of stuff like behind the scenes you hear about and him being combative with teammates and coaches and the lack of accountability and. Just deal like it's okay to have a bad player, but having a bad player that won't admit they're bad and needs to play the way they feel they need to play is really frustrating for fans. So it's it's been a very unhappy experience, and everybody is ready to see. Well, almost everybody is ready to see him go. I should say the people who want him there are very very loud and local uh, vocal about it, but I, I'd say the franchise and most fans and analysts want him out. Yeah, I mean, I I really did not. I, I never liked the trade. I thought it's like if there was one thing that there was some logic behind it, it was the idea of like, okay, well, it gives them some leeway in the regular season because Russ never misses games. But like, yeah, I mean, he's just worse than he's ever been. And you know, I mean, the the other frustrating part of it, and this is the thing, it's like. You know, it's actually really funny because you had Melo on the team too, right? And Melo's obviously he's got his own set of defensive flaws and all that kind of stuff. But offensively, from what I've seen of him the last two, three years, like he's really accepted, like, okay, I'm I'm not a star anymore. I'm not a star. I have to like play off of other dudes, take a bunch of threes, spot up, all that kind of stuff. And he's done that. And so, like, even though, you know, I, I think the defense is really, really bad with him. And maybe that, you know, it, it outstrips the, what he gives you offensively. I think he was like 58 true shooting this year. Um, shot really well from three, but like he at least fits into, okay, we know what we're going to get from him offensively and we can play him next to LeBron. And while they might leak 7,000 points, they might score 8,000. Um, but like Russ has not had that come to Jesus moment at all. He's like still operating in this weird world where like he's a star and he needs his own team and you know he has to get the ball all the time and like I I just thought like if there was one thing I thought would be the case was okay yes he didn't change much with Beal yes he didn't change at all in OKC or in Houston but like this is LeBron this is the Lakers he's going to go home he's going to understand like and there was just none of that absolutely none of it just no give he's the same dude he wants to play the same way and i can't even imagine what that was like watching this past year it was yeah it was it was really rough i don't expect him to change that approach until he like my assumption is whether with the lakers or someone else they might give him a try and then realize this guy just won't he's not doing what we need him to do buy him out and then nobody's gonna sign him and he's gonna spend a year off not, you know, not being able to understand why teams don't want him. And, you know, he might take meetings with teams and they'll pitch him this plan for how he'd fit in and how he can adapt his game. And he'll just like reject that. And uh, like my best guess for what happens is he gets traded. He's bought out. Nobody takes him. He sits out a year. And then next season he tries to make a comeback and, you know, is more willing to adjust his game. Like all of the things we've seen John Wall say publicly on freaking Sports Center 
about how he's learned and grown and, you know, wants to adapt his game and he realizes where he is in his career. All of that stuff is what we want Russ to say, but he doesn't think that way. It's not that he's just not being vocal about it. Like he, he isn't thinking that way publicly behind the scenes. And that makes it really hard to play him when he's not a shooter. He wants the ball in his hands and he's just not effective enough offensively. And then defensively is really where he had a huge drop off that gets talked about way less but was way more damaging to the Lakers. They had to hide him off ball. He previously in his career had been a point of attack defender. All of a sudden he couldn't do that when he was doing that. He was getting burned left and right. So the Lakers felt they needed to play like Avery Bradley along with him. So then you had two guys who weren't good shooters out there just to try to support how negative of a defender he was and he wasn't rotating. And it it was just, I don't know. It was crushing for everybody. They're so ready for him to be gone. Yeah, I, I don't really buy this idea of like I thought it was really funny that that day, like all this stuff with this agent went down, then Chris Haynes comes out with the article. It's like, oh yeah, LeBron, Russ, and AD talked and they're all cool. They're gonna try it again. And I'm like, there's no shot in hell this conversation happened. And if it did, it was not some rip roaring success. Like I know I know LeBron is in there like, get this fucking guy out of here. Like I'm done with this shit. Um yeah, I just <laughs> Yeah. And Ham said all the right things too. He, you know, yeah, about yeah. getting him to buy in defensively. Mm-hmm. They've been having these individual film sessions and he's been sending them notes and all that stuff. <laughs> Apparently that's not going the best. <laughs> um, we'll see. I don't know. That hasn't been like officially reported. We'll see what ends up happening with that. I'm sure if he does get traded, we will get to see all of the dirty laundry come out. And if he does end up staying with the team, I would imagine they're going to stick to the talking points and you know, he's trying hard, he's adapting and all that. And then we'll see, you know, on court, it doesn't match what they're saying. But until he's off the team, we're not going to hear the Lakers publicly acknowledge that this guy's a problem. So do you think, uh, I was, you know, look, the, the contracts obviously come up with a lot of Knicks fans because there was rumors. I mean, there's been, it's been reported out in a few places. I think Mark Stein has mentioned it. And then today, Sham said something about like the Knicks and Jazz potentially sniffing around on Westbrook. And my theory all along has been that like the reporting on this has been so weird. And I'm just like, they're clearly trying to pull the Lakers into some kind of like three-way trade for Mitchell somehow. Like there's something going on there. Right. Um, But we'll, we'll leave that aside for a second. Um, And I just think like, I think I've talked to you about this. I've DM'd you about this. Like my theory all along has been at some point, there's going to be some team that is like, you know what? We're sitting on these long-term vets. Let's just fucking get off this money. Let's trade for Russ. Get a get a pick if we can get it, and just move on. And like I know that expiring is massive, but I also think like like I guess here's it's two part question. One, do you think there's any chance the Lakers just hold on to him going into the season, and they're just like, hey, look, just fucking stay home, and we're going to try and trade you at some point. Um, and then two, my working theory is this: is that like there's a world where as we get closer and closer and closer to the trade deadline, that contract, I mean, you're, you're going to be really on the hook for less of it, right. As a team trading for it. Do you think that that expiring could eventually entice a team? That's just like, you know what we've got, like, let's just say, for example, the Knicks, right. I think, you know, there's the season's not going as expected. And, Randall is just, you know, doing all his bullshit. Like, but if they're just like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's just trade Randall and Fournier and we don't even want picks. We'll just just give us the expiring contract. Like, 
and, and I'm not saying like that's the exact trade. I just obviously one for my purpose that would come up. Um, but like, is that a scenario where you think there could be a team that's just like, you know what? Let's just let's just trade for this contract and get off our our, our let's clear our books. I think you're asking the right question. So to your first one, I do think there's a chance they just send him home. My guess is they're going to do their due diligence, try to get him to adapt, get him to buy into a role where he's screening and rolling more. Because as a like a short roll operator, I can see him being impactful. Like get to the rim, you're already catching with an advantage. It's a four v three. Like go attack. Didn't Things he like do that? that like, didn't he do that a bunch in Houston for the bit he was there? And then like I don't know. I don't think he's done that much since then. I, I mean, I wanted. I'll admit to have not watched. I mean, I didn't watch most of their games, so I couldn't tell you for sure. But he did more of that than he did with the Lakers because he barely did that at all in LA. And it was a bit like it would be a logical thing that would make sense where you can use his finishing, you can use his playmaking. He just doesn't want a screen, sets crappy screens. Uh, part of it was, you know, schematic. They didn't have him doing that. But if you can get him doing that, it would make sense. If you stick him in the dunker spot, his shooting doesn't hurt you. But that's, you know, at that point, just sit him. Like, he's not adding value if he's just sitting there in the dunker spot. That's the kind of thing you do if you have, like, an elite defender that you're trying to hide on offense. And, like, they're good enough defensively that it's okay. If this team's hiding him on defense and hiding him on, hiding him on offense, he's, he just shouldn't be out there. So my guess is they bring him into training camp. They try to make something work in preseason. Maybe they start the season with him. And this is all if they can't get a trade done. If they can get a trade done, they're going to pull that trigger. But if it's not working out and he's clearly not adjusting, I do think they're just going to send him home because he's he's that disruptive on court and off court that it's I, I think they'd be better off just leaning into the guys that they do have and, and trying to make it work that way. Now, to your next question, if he is sent home or – if they try to make it work and then send him home, I would imagine they're not going to stop trying to trade him. Like as the like, he's your one trade chip. Like, and he's not a very good trade chip, but he is a trade chip that maybe a team will look at as an opportunity to get off of bad long term money. Charlotte maybe has some guys that could fit that. The Knicks have some guys that could fit that. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon in Indianapolis is a guy that could fit that. There are players. That over time, as the bill that you would be paying, taking on Russ would be less and less, maybe they would be more inclined to do so. From a Lakers perspective, that's not an ideal outcome because you're going into the season for you know most of the year, uh, either without him or with him, I guess, uh, but without bringing in better players. So I don't even know how well the Lakers would be doing at that point. So that is the concern on the Laker perspective. They, they'd rather move him now if they can. So it's really about for them, can we find a deal that we think can make us title contenders? If not, we're going to hold on to him and we're just going to keep trying to move him. And if the season looks like it has a chance, we're going to keep you know aiming for good pieces that can bring us to that title contention. If the season looks lost, we're not willing to take on bad long-term money. We're just going to eat this and you know start from scratch next year. So that's the interesting thing for me. And like the reason I haven't even brought up, you know, attaching picks to Russ is like, it seems like they're very, very reticent to do that. I, I get the perspective of like, you've only got two first you can trade, right? You've got the 2027 and the 2029 pick. I guess you could throw in like a 2028 pick swap, but you know, whatever, like that's really what you have available to you. Um, And I just think like they, I feel like they have to pull the trigger on something. And even if it requires a, a, those picks, like 
if LeBron is is like I guess, and this is this is the part that I don't know, right? Because AD was like a fucking disaster last year, injury plagued, whatever. Um, LeBron obviously has dealt with shit the last couple of years, so I don't know what their status is. But if those guys come into training camp and they look, you know, like LeBron and AD, I just don't know how, as management, you can like not take a shot, you know, because you're not going to have LeBron, like LeBron. The other thing too is like LeBron has this whole extension thing, right? Looming over the Lakers franchise at this point where it's like, are you going to do something? Cause I, I, if I'm him, I'm like, look, are you going to do something? Because I know that yes, Russell Westbrook, his contract expires at the end of the year, but like keep losing that salary off your books. Doesn't really help you that much because you're not going to get a bunch of cap space out of it unless I leave too, which how does that help me, right? Um, and it's like, if you have me and AD, like, figure out how to put pieces around us. And I thought the the rumored Pacers deal, which apparently is dead now, which is bullshit, like, because no trade in the NBA is ever dead, um, which is, it was what, Heald and Miles Turner for Westbrook. I thought that deal was interesting um, because Heald, Heald's 29. He's got a couple years left on his contract. Turner is 25, going on 26, I believe. Uh, he has a year in his contract, so he'd be up for an extension or whatever. But like, I think if I'm the Lakers, I feel like trades like that are worth it. And I, I, I get like, if I'm the Lakers, I'm not look. If you got two months until fucking training camp starts, you don't need to be in a rush, right? Like, you can take your time, shop around the market, see what it gets you, right? Like, hey, so let's see what what is Russ's expiring. And a lottery protected 2027 pick at us. What is the rest is expiring and an unprotected 2027 pick at us? What is the rest expiring and both unprotected picks get us? Like, see what is out there. Um, and I do think at some point, like, I'll, I'll as a as a Knicks fan, I've been saying this for a while. Like, if there is a world where the Knicks can give them, like, because the, the crazy thing is, just looking at the like, we were looking at the Lakers roster in our Discord, I think last week. Like, I just somebody just screenshotted and sent it, and I'm just like, dude. I think Randall would actually be like their third best player. And I hate Julius Randall right now. Like, it, like there's just like such a lack of rotation talent. Right. And whatever the Knicks have, and like even to team like Utah or Charlotte, like do they have a bunch of stars on their roster? No, but I do think they have the type of like vets that, you know, okay. If I put these three guys in a rotation with LeBron and AD, like we're probably making the playoffs. And once you get into the playoffs, you have LeBron, you have AD, like, I don't think any, like, you might, you might not, you're not probably not going to win a championship, but I don't think there's any team that's like, oh man, can't wait to play LeBron and AD in a, in a fucking series. You know what I mean? Like, that's not a fun potential thing that you have to face. And so like, I just think they really need to make a move happen. Um, and I, I don't know, like I, I was, I think Windhorse had this last week or something where he was talking about how like oh genie bus no interest in trading any first round picks future first round picks and like i get that if you didn't have lebron and ad you know what i mean like it's just such a weird thing they're trying to thread the needle on and i'm not sure what they can get like you know one we've punted this around you know i'm sure you've seen these flying around too maybe on twitter but it's like randall russ or not russ randall rose and reddish for like the Russ expiring and a first round pick or something like these are the kind of constructs where it's like, okay, Rose is older. He's expiring. I know the Lakers like to save some money that saves them money next year. 
Randall is flawed, obviously. He is talented. He never misses games. He has been productive for his career. I think if you put him in a situation with LeBron and AD, maybe you're going to get a lot more out of him than we did as a number one option last year. Um, and then a guy like Reddish is interesting to me in general just because you're like, okay, he's young. He's not really put it all together, but this is an opportunity for us to buy low on a talent and see what we can develop him into. Uh, obviously, he's also a clutch client, but like, and I'm not saying, look, I would love it if the Lakers made a trade like that and we could send that pick to Danny boy in Utah. And you know, maybe that helps us out, but like, you know what I mean, like those are the kind of moves I'm, I'm very interested to see like one with Charlotte would be like maybe Hayward, PJ Washington and some other bullshit salary filler, right? Like those are the kind of moves I'm really interested about. Like what are the Lakers trying to achieve? Yeah. <laughs> so their ultimate goal is to get Kyrie Irving. Right. And the reason for that is because that's LeBron's goal. We'd be naive to think with the August 4th deadline for LeBron coming up to extend up to $50 million for the next two years, he's not exerting pressure. Now, we haven't seen it publicly yet. My fear is we start to see it publicly. Uh, I, I'm hoping they're saying, you know, Lakers, if you do not trade these picks, I'm out of here. And, you know, good luck with your picks. Good luck with your rebuild. You need to, like, you have AD, you have LeBron, you have to strike now. And I'm of that same mind. I think you need to go for it. So I'm imagining that pressure is being exerted internally. And is it just make a trade or make one specific trade? If it's just to trade Kyrie, which is something that came out today on Anthony Irwin's podcast, uh, Silver Screen and Roll, I forget the exact episode. They have a bunch of pods in the same feed. Uh, if it's, you know, Kyrie or bust, that kills the Lakers' leverage. They can't go find an alternative trade. They can't go find a Charlotte trade that makes sense or a Knicks trade that makes sense or a Indy trade that makes sense. They have one option. And their alternative to making that trade is you lose LeBron and you run things back with Westbrook. And that's not acceptable. So at that point, I think the Lakers do sell, you know, they, they send whatever they need to send at that point. And my fear would be the, the uh, Nets in that scenario would say, all right, well, your back's against the wall. This is your only option. We want both picks unprotected. We want Austin Reeves. We'll take 5 million cash considerations that you're allowed <laughs> to give us. And, you know, why don't you throw in a pick swap in a couple seconds as well? Because if you're the Lakers, what the hell do you do at that point? So I, that is my fear. And hopefully we don't start seeing David McManaman, who, you know, I don't know how much oh, other yeah. people realize this, but like, oh, he's yeah. a, if he's saying things, it's coming from clutch. Um, you know, he also does reporting and whatnot, but when he, you know, if he's saying things in the Lakers organization, yada, yada, it's coming from clutch. So if he starts saying, I'm, you know, we're hearing LeBron, you know, will not return as a Laker unless they get Kyrie. That's a disaster situation. Uh, so, so can you explain this, the deadline, this LeBron contract deadline you're talking about a little bit? Cause, I, Cause obviously in, in Nick's fandom, we're, we're all very focused on two objectives, which are, uh, trading for Donovan Mitchell and trying to find uh, a taker for Julius Randle? Yeah, great question. So the, let's see. So LeBron is under contract for one more season and then he is an unrestricted free agent after that. He is able to sign an extension 
between now and August 4th, which is like a week and a half away, where he can extend another year or two or maybe a one plus one. Um, But it would get the Lakers to understand that there is a long-term commitment from LeBron to some extent past Mm. just this upcoming year. If he says, I'm not coming, you know, I won't work with you unless you make the Kyrie trade and the Lakers decide not to make a trade because they don't think the options available make them a title contender, they are admitting to punting the season and he's fucking out of here. So it, it is very much, he can exert that pressure. And I mean, this is his like age 38 season. So it, it, you have to, these are things that, you know, you weigh a little bit differently than you would if it were five years ago, I guess, but he's still an excellent, excellent player and still has a lot of leverage on the organization. We'll have to see how they handle it. But, you know, there's a scenario here where, over the next week, we start to hear more and more noise, and it turns out the Lakers overpay for Kyrie Irving uh, because of all that noise destroying their leverage, where if that doesn't come out, what we should expect them to see and what they've been trying to do is create trade opportunities with the Jazz, with the Knicks, with Indianapolis, where they have an alternative trade that they're hoping to get to, where they, maybe it's one unprotected first, five mil cash, and three seconds, or two you know, lottery protected first round picks. If they can get a trade like that agreed to in theory for like Miles Turner and Malcolm Brogdon, I'm sorry, uh, Buddy Heald, they can then bring that to Brooklyn say, we're going to take this unless you can match this. You've got two days, figure it out. And that only works if the other team believes they'd actually, you know, make that trade. You can't, you know, that may be a bluff. Maybe it's not a bluff, but as so far, the Lakers haven't been able to find an actual alternative. So right now in negotiating, their best alternative to a negotiated agreement, their BATNA in uh, negotiating terms is, you know, run things back with Russ and LeBron's gone. So they're a desperate, desperate team. And we're seeing other teams who don't have that kind of deadline for themselves in a week and a half, taking their time, playing things out and waiting for the Lakers to get to their most desperate to probably, you know, cave and, and accept something. Yeah, I mean that's that's very interesting. Uh, the LeBron extension deadline is definitely um, that adds a very. That's actually crazy because that I feel like that's not been discussed at all, or in the national media at least. Like I mean, mm-hmm. I had heard of that. I think the first I had heard of that was a couple of weeks ago on some podcast. I think. McMenamin might have been on with Lowe or something. Uh, and he <laughs> was coming from anywhere. It's going to be coming from him. Yeah. I mean, he didn't even, he didn't mention it really as like a threat, but it was more like, look, like he's got this extension deadline. And if he doesn't take it, like that is not a good sign for the Lakers, you know, because Cleveland is out there. Apparently Cleveland has the space next summer to just sign him outright and not lose yep. any of their core guys. So like, that's out there. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's that's a very under-discussed story. And, you know, like, I think the, I think the Lakers, they might just have to do it. If LeBron is like, look, get me... Ki-. I, I will say this. The, the fact that there was that report of the Miles trade, that Miles and Heel trade that didn't actually get agreed to, um, at the very least, even if that's bullshit, right? Even if that's just like them putting it out there that we all, we have other options or working on other options... Um, it's good, I guess, in that sense. But it's like, I wonder if that's just kind of like a ploy to force Brooklyn to maybe lower their demands or something. Uh, And then, I mean, there's so many dynamics at play here because you've got the Kyrie thing going on and then tied into that is obviously the Durant stuff. And it's like, 
you know, who knows what the hell is going on there. I don't think it's a coincidence. I wouldn't be surprised if this entire week we start getting, like, leaks about all these stories. Because I, I thought that the Jalen Brown thing today was super... I don't know. That, that didn't seem like a story that you just put out there to, like... It, it's coming from somewhere for some reason. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if there was, like... You know, it, it was kind of downplayed in both by Woj and Shams in their article... But it wouldn't surprise me if that was a bit more serious than they're letting on. Yeah, we'll we'll have to see. I certainly would be happy with the Pacers option. Like there are people within the Lakers front office that are, you know, initially it was just that alternative that you were kind of building up to get leverage on Brooklyn. But I mean, it's a it's a good deal. Like there's good stuff there. This Lakers team went from a title team in 2019, 2020 that had two stars with a lot of good connecting pieces around them. They had an elite defense and they had, you know, decent spacing and and a lot of guys that didn't need the ball in their hands to play well. They've year after year dismantled their team and moved more and more towards adding talent. They wanted Schroeder and Harrell just because, you know, we're worried LeBron's getting older. You know, we need more scores. That didn't work. Uh, Then they moved to, or actually during that same season, they, they went with Andre Drummond rather than Damian Jones, who, didn't fit the role they needed him to play, but you know, he's a better scorer and he puts up rebounding numbers. That didn't work. Then the next season they made the big trade, traded all of their like movable guys in, in multiple picks to go grab Russell West or one pick, I think, uh, to go grab Russell Russell Westbrook. And it was another talent move that made no sense fit wise. And the Kyrie move, if they are able to do it, would be adding even more talent. And I think it would fit fine. Defensively it'd be a big problem, but the Heald and Turner trade would be a huge like influx of shooting and with Turner's defense. If you can lock him up long-term, AD and Turner are the best defensive front court in the NBA. So to me, that should be a real trade that you're actually considering making that I would be, you know, continuing to make efforts to try to have happen. So, so if if you if you bring something to me from like a Knicks standpoint, I think I'd still prefer the indie trade if I'm the mm-hmm. Lakers. So I don't know. I think from your perspective, like the Lakers to you are a way to help facilitate a, a Mitchell trade. The that, Lakers. That's, that's how I've interpreted it. I'm not sure. Like, there's two ways to interpret it. That's the one. The other one is like just taking the Russ salary because mm-hmm. that would clear our books. And then we have, you know, RJ's going to get a contract that will kick in next year. You already, you would potentially have Donovan Mitchell in this scenario. You have Brunson. Those are three hundred million dollar guys in all likelihood. Once RJ signs whatever he's going to sign um, with Randall, that's a fourth, right? If you move off Randall, it's a little bit easier. But yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, it, it, so from a Laker perspective, I think if they were to entertain a trade like this, it would be to try to again gain leverage on the Knicks, and I don't, I don't really know if they would really buy into that. I don't. I, I guess what I'm thinking is. I don't like this trade more than I don't like the iterations of trades I've seen thrown out with the Knicks more than the the Pacers trade. I'd rather do that one. I think that mm-hmm. and the Brooklyn trades are on their own tier, and then this is a good bit below that. So I don't I don't know if we're actually going to see something where the Lakers tag up with these teams and actually make it happen more than it is just on one side or on the other side trying to like get some leverage on somebody else. Yeah, I mean, I think there's interesting scenarios. Like I've cooked up a few where it's like. Okay, I mean, look, all of them in all, just open book here. All of them involve Julius Randall. So, uh, but like, but like, I mean, 
Utah has some interesting pieces. Like I think a guy like Bogdanovich would be interesting for the Lakers. Um, offensively, he would be dynamite. I think playing next to LeBron defensively, obviously that's a bit rough. Um, but whatever the scenario is, um, I want to go back to the Miles thing because I think I saw you. Correct me if I'm wrong. I thought I saw you post this yesterday that you flat out think the mile, Miles and Heald is a better move than getting Kyrie, like a more impactful on the court, helping you win games move. Is that accurate or am I misrepresenting what you, what you were trying to say? I like very, very slightly lean that way. I think each move, each trade package in its own way would benefit the Lakers and they would help in different ways. Like Kyrie and AD would be the best pick and roll duo that AD's ever been a part of. Um, like that teams for years have been able to just switch 80 LeBron pick and rolls because you've got wings and bigs on them and, and it's been a problem getting an actual guard in there with LeBron as a screener or AD as a screener, like that should offensively be fantastic. And Joe Harris will be the piece coming back in there. Great shooter. Not all that sure about the medical report on him coming off of a couple ankle surgeries. But if he comes back and he's a great off screen shooter, like offensively, that looks great defensively. Kyrie has been historically one of the guys that's his, his defense goes from bad to horrendous in the playoffs where teams are picking on him once you get past like the first round and Mm -hmm. that and adding Joe Harris, who is not a good defender is really challenging for me to like think through the overall impact. Uh, And then compare that. Are are you, are you saying that like, just cause you brought up Harris is almost any, is Brooklyn trying to get off that money with Harris? Is that like the, kind of assumption you're working on there? Yeah, the assumption is if they are to make this trade, they want to not only grab some first-round picks in the process, but get off of money along the way. And that's why they would mm-hmm. be trading Joe Harris rather than Seth Curry. Okay, got it. Yep. So there's that side with the Brooklyn trade where offensively it's going to be a lot of fun. And I guess in general it'll be a lot of fun because a lot of points will be scored on both sides. Um, <laughs> and then with the heel-turner trade – you know, name recognition is lower. So for Lakers fans, they don't like that as much. Um, but you've got two guys that offensively from a spacing standpoint, Buddy Heels literally, he's third all time in the NBA in three-pointers made per game. He is a legit three-point shooter. He's a higher caliber three-point shooter than they have brought in. They've brought in some guys that were like, you know, either had spotty backgrounds or were really old and they kind of fell off and or they were stationary shooters that, you know, were converting on easy threes and then all of a sudden it didn't work. He's an actual really good three-point shooter. Defensively, not great. But when you bring in Miles Turner, you immediately have the best front court defense in the NBA. And you don't have to play small. People think, you know, the, the talking point I keep hearing is, well, 80 at the five is a cheat code. Well, not really. Um, defensively, he's been more effective as a power forward. And his teams have been more effective with him as a power forward. Except for that title team where they had Caruso, elite defender, Danny Green, elite wing defender, KCP, really strong guard defender. They had the infrastructure around it. This team doesn't have that. Every other year, he's been more impactful and he's been better as a power forward. And then offensively is really where AD at the five has benefited him and his team. But you get that same benefit when you have Miles Turner out there as a spacer. So it's the trade you make to put that kind of 2019-2020 Lakers infrastructure back around your two stars if you think those two stars can lead you to a title. We saw AD, the only time he's ever played with like a spacing five was with Marcus All. And when, with, when Marcus All was out there with him, he got to the rim like 10% more frequently. He shot like 10% better at the rim and his overall efficiency went up a ton. 
So if you can get that offensive impact while defensively having a like light Rudy Gobert kind of guy back there with you, that to me, that's a great, great combo. And then you can lock those guys up long-term. So I overall, you know, Turner's defense isn't as good as Kyrie's offense, but Kyrie's defense is horrendous once, especially once you get to the playoffs and Turner's offense really helps enable LeBron and AD to be best, their best versions of themselves. So I think overall, I still think it's close, but it's a lot closer than people realize. And I, I slightly lean the Pacers route because I think it's, it's what you do if you believe these two guys can still win you a title, LeBron and, and AD. I mean, the action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer. With tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports, you can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right. Make your first bet up to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. You can throw down on all the major action for baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options feel endless. Best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN, make your first deposit, and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code TBPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. I think where I come down on is this. Though. My issue with... So there's a couple things with my... I Actually, I like the heel thing a lot. Um, he's also somebody I... I have no basis for this, but I do suspect like if you put him next to guys like LeBron and AD, there's a chance that he will just be more locked in defensively than he's been historically. Um, will he be good? Probably not. But like, I like the offensive fit a ton there. Uh, he's not just a shooter. He's a guy that can shoot off movement. Uh, you can do all kinds of stuff with him. So I think that would be a great offensive fit for him. And that contract is two years. So like, it's not a huge deal. Um, yeah, and then the the thing that I don't I'm a little worried about though if I was the Lakers is Turner, who I, I think defensively you don't even need to there's not really much of a discussion that needs to be had like he's an awesome defensive five cool, um, but like offensively he spaces the floor. He's not a particularly high percentage shooter from three. I don't know if you've listened to I'm sure you have, but. Um, Caitlin Cooper, she's come on our pod a few times. She's talked about this extensively, but like they're like teams just don't really respect miles out there. Um, or they'll like, you know, they'll keep the big, they would keep the big on Sabonis and put like the wing on Turner, right? Because he's not going to come inside and punish you. He's just taking threes from the outside. So like there'd be teams that would set up the matchups in advance like that. Uh, I know that when they played the Knicks a few times with Turner, Tibbs basically just did not care. Like he, he just had Mitch hang out at the rim and he's like, yeah, you know, I guess maybe rotate out to miles every now and then, but it's fine. If he's going to beat us, he'll beat us. I, that's one piece of it. And then the other part is like, he's had a pretty extensive injury history. Um, I know some of that last year, especially was probably like the Pacers. Hey, look, we're tanking. We don't really need you to come back. So don't worry about it kind of thing, but like he has missed a lot of time through his career with a variety of injuries, and he is somebody who's going to need a new contract. 
uh, in the scenario where the Lakers do trade for him. Does that stuff concern you at all with him? And is that maybe like, you know, if if the health was better, would this be like more of a clear cut option to you as superior to Kyrie Irving, who comes with his own set of injury and Kyrie issues? You're asking all the questions I've been getting all day yesterday and today from Lakers <laughs> fans. So in terms of how he fits in offensively, he's not like he's not like the most elite three-point shooter. He's a three-point shooter. His mm-hmm. true talent, Darko three-point percentage. I don't know if you've you've used the the oh, Darko yeah. stats at all. Yeah, so they look oh, at yeah. every game Ma- in his Emmanuel career. quickly Emmanuel quickly's a stud on Darko, baby. Yep. And so <laughs> It's the best way we have to look at how good of a three-point shooter somebody is, you know, if we had to actually guess how good they will be moving forward. And in that, he's like a 36% three-point shooter. And he's had C-plus three-point shot quality for the past three years. It's not like he's being ignored. That would be much higher if that were the case. And, I mean, as a Lakers fan, I could, you know, we had guys on this team last year who were ignored and we saw their A-plus three-point shot quality. You don't want that. You want more, maybe more like, I want him in like the B-plus range where, He's able to, you know, get fed off of good playmaking, but not, you know, so high that it's he's defenses don't care about him. I'd push back on that a little bit. I won't say I've watched all of his games, but in the data, if you got him higher three-point quality, he'd be putting up even better percentages. And the Darko data says he's a better three-point shooter than his raw percentage was this past season. So I feel good about that. And when it comes to his post game, I know Indiana didn't do it much, but I would hope that the Lakers would be smarter about this because he can beat you up in the post a little bit. He had a high post-up frequency last year. He had a really good, we have data at people index looking at what kinds of post moves he's using. And he had a good mix of post hooks, jumpers, drop steps, bullying guys to the rim, all kinds of stuff. It wasn't like he was a one trick pony down there. And he was in the 99th percentile in our stable post-up efficiency. So when he did post up, he was kicking ass. So if you're sticking him out as a spacer and you're trying to post up 80 against power forwards rather than centers. He'll be much more effective. If the defense tries to just swap that matchup, I think you can have AD space out and stick Turner in the post and then feed him against the smaller guy. Because there are a lot of six, 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 seven power forwards out there. Between those two guys, you're going to get a lot of you know good matchups to feast on. Now getting to the injury point, looking at Turner's games played throughout his career, he's been pretty healthy. He's, you know, missed... So for the, you know, most of his career, he's been pretty healthy, 65, 70, 80 games for just about every year of his career up until the past two seasons. And two seasons ago, had the foot fracture. It was a real thing. He was out for a while. This most recent season, he was held out an additional like 20 games uh, that he could have been playing. He was a full practice participant. He, it was a pretty open secret. He is healthy. They're just not playing him. He doesn't want to play. It was a them situation. Like TJ Warren was fully healthy as well. He was a full practice participant. Um, Malcolm Brogdon said, fuck it. I'm just not going to practice. Um, But he was healthy as well for portions of time. Um, So that team in general, and I was able to like talk to some Pacers folks and confirm this, those guys, at, at least last season, their injury situation was a bit over exaggerated. And If you, again, look at Turner's games played year by year and you add 20 games to last season, suddenly he doesn't look like someone who's been injury plagued. Uh, He looked like someone that's been mostly really healthy and then two years ago had a fracture that kept him out like half the season. And I'm no doctor. From what I've read from the Twitter doctors, the Laker Twitter doctors, 
the injuries he had the past two seasons aren't ones that we should expect to impact his career moving forward to any you know heightened extent than any other random player. So it's not something I'm worried about. If it leads to him being undervalued, I'm, I'm down with that. But he's a valuable player. He's a good player. And he'd be the perfect fit with AD. I can't name a better rim-protecting spacer fit than Miles Turner to pair with AD, especially for the, the age between the two of them. So I, if I'm the Lakers, that's the way I'm looking at that. And from a paper, Pacer perspective, they have offers on the table to, to move Turner. The reason they haven't taken those yet is because they're trying to move Turner and Heald. And Heald's got a bunch of, you know, he's paid a lot of money the next two seasons. It's not a like five-year deal of bad money. It's a two-year deal of bad money left. Um, the Lakers are uniquely positioned as a team that can take on 40 mil next year by moving Russ to make them good trade partners. Um, so it's not like Turner's bad and, you know, why hasn't he been traded? Well, he's, you know, they're looking at this trade first because they can get off of the bad money as well and save money overall. If if this doesn't, you know, if this falls through with the Lakers, I expect Turner will be traded at some point before next trade deadline to a good team uh, as, as long as the Pacers can't move healed. Uh, do you know on that trade that the one that, you know, apparently is dead now and definitely can never uh, be resurrected, was that an unprotected 2027 first that the Lakers were going to send out on that trade? Yeah, so they first offered the... 2027 pick unprotected that was turned down. Then they offered the 2027 pick and two second rounders, which was turned down. And so things have died. <laughs> um, but I, you know, I'd be willing to, I think the next step from here is offer the same package and then throw in your 5 million that you can throw in, in this calendar year or this, this season calendar year for a team that in, you know, historically has tried to save money and this could, you know, help offset them taking on a larger salary. If they don't go for that, then offer them two lottery protected first round picks. And at that point, you're probably getting closer and closer to what you're at your max willing to offer. Um, but that's where we are. And I think where we could go in terms of future Laker offers, even though, you know, the reports are that it's dead just because they haven't talked in a week. Right, right, right. Exactly. Um, I, yeah, that, that's. God, that is such a crazy scenario. I actually, like, I don't know. Maybe I'm just higher on, like, fading the long-term Lakers post-LeBron era because, like, if I was Indiana, I get that you're not getting much present value out of that, but, like, are you really going to get anything better than an unprotected pick from somebody for a heel than Turner? Like, I really don't think so. And I think, like, again, yeah, it sucks that that pick isn't more of an immediate value return, but, like you're not doing anything this year. Like you're going to be bad Mm -hmm. and why not be bad, move off of your long-term money and get like, I just don't think I look, what is miles Turner really going to net you at this point? Right? Like maybe one first for, yeah, like a protected one from somebody Mm -hmm. and healed. I don't think is going to net you a first. Like we just, yeah, it's just not going to happen. So like to me getting an unprotected first from anybody uh, but especially a Lakers pick down the line. I mean, look, LeBron is what thirty eight right now. You said so. If he was even still playing at that point, be forty three. Like you know what I mean? Like, I think that's the kind of pick you would be like, hey, look, that sucks. We're not getting it right now, but that is such a like crazy. That that's a, a pick that could change in value so many times. And maybe you don't even keep it. You end up trading it later at like a high point of its perceived value. But I would take that chip over keeping fucking Miles and Heal. Because again, what are you doing as the Pacers? 
Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you it's mean cellar. the mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. Yeah. New episodes of Fly on the Wallen drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallen wherever you get your podcasts.